and welcome to the Raptors show on the Sportsnet Radio Network presented by Coors Light. Go from full time to game time. Coors Light made to chill. Make sure you find the Raptors show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show. I'm your host, William Liu. Uh, we are on pins and needles because obviously we are going live uh, across uh, the Sportsnet platforms. But there is obviously this huge news out there that, you know, this might be the day where Shohei Otani decides to uh, figure out his next career destination. And so I'm going to throw over to co-host Blake Murphy, who has literally been waiting in the office pretty much night and day for news to break. So, Blake, what is the latest in this update? Yeah, they at least filled my water dish this morning, though. So, uh, uh, so we, we're good. No, uh, it is. Look, it was reported yesterday that Shohei Otani was going to make his decision likely within the next 96 hours. Uh, John Morosi then reported this morning, early this morning, that it was coming within 24 hours. The decision had been made. An announcement was coming. Now, it's possible this gets reported in the next little bit, and it's not official from the Blue Jays or from CAA, uh, who represents Shohei Otani. And actually, the last time he had to make this decision, CAA beat all the newsbreakers. They were the ones who uh, just put out a press release that Shohei was signing with the Angels. So uh, we'll keep an eye on all of this. Obviously, if that comes down, we will pivot to talking about that because it'll be one of the biggest moments in the last 30, 40 years in Toronto uh, sports, certainly in our time covering Toronto sports. So it's uh, it's very exciting. There are a lot of rumblings out there, but not enough for us to go full pivot yet. Um, I'm like dangling precipitously over the the goal line right now of, of whether to jump up and throw you guys out of here. Yeah, listen, it, it, the, the call is entirely on your hands because essentially this is, it's the Raptors show, but S-H-O in this in this case because no brother, it is it is that big as I'm being understand in terms of just the scale of this news. Yeah, um, right. So, Blake, you, what, what's your process for today's show? Because obviously we have like actual basketball to talk about. We've got an interview with Utah Watanabe. I know that's the number one Guys, Japanese breaking athlete. News. Yeah. The Raptors announced that they have waived two-way guard Ron Harper Jr., Oh, breaking. That's actually yeah. a little sad. I, I, I like He's that. undergoing season-ending surgery. Wow. That's extra sad then. Get well soon, Ron. <laughs> I'm just going to blast breaking news at you guys. Uh, I don't care. <laughs> I actually, no, I don't care in the sense that, like, I don't care that much about the Shohei news. That you don't, it's you don't care Rogers might be adding another Asian employee? Um, You know what? I'm going to sidestep that comment. Oh, but, okay. uh, yeah, I do feel bad for... For Ron, though. I do care for Ron. Um, we do have <laughs> basketball do topics to get to, but my question to Blake was, what is your process going to be like for the next two hours in, uh, on the show? Like, it's are- going to be this. I'm prepped for the show. I watched the in-season tournament games last night. I got my Raptors grades ready if we go that route. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's full Shohei watch. So I have TweetDeck open. I have, you know, it's, it's peak notification time so that you don't get – uh, faked out here, obviously, and a peak tweet deck time. Uh, yeah, and I just threw everyone a curveball by, yes, sending a two-part tweet about the uh, <laughs> the um, Ron Harper Jr. news. Ben Nicholson-Smith, by the way, uh, with Shai Davidi, reporting that they are told there is no decision from Shohei Otani yet, nor is there a, a timeline for that decision. So there is reporting out there that it is maybe done, uh, coming from the Dodgers side of things, but uh, Ben Nicholson-Smith and Shai Davidi, their latest is that no decision has been uh, officially made, nor is there a timeline. There is a timeline on Ron Harper Jr. He's out for the year. He's going to have surgery on a subluxated okay, shoulder so the Raptors can fill that two-way spot. Ron Harper gets half his two-way contract paid out because it was guaranteed. But, uh, yeah, that sucks for him. That's, that's a tough one. That really is a tough one. Um, okay, we're going to go ahead and try to do a basketball show. 
uh, Alex, the other co-host slash producer slash uh, eater of pasta on air, uh, is also sitting in the chair. Alex, how, how are you doing, man? Are you are what's your level of investment on? Because obviously Blake is a serious, super serious reporter when it comes to the Blue Jays, um, and you know he's going to be tapped into this story. I yeah. know you're just a big Blue Jays fan. Oh, I'm well, what's your in. level of investment into this? No, I'm Yo, the... how are we feeling, man? How are we feeling? <laughs> I'm at the point where if we don't get Shohei Otani, it's going to be crushing, bro. Yeah. Like, we can't. I already messaged Ali Khan today. I said, you got tickets to opening day. Um, so I'm trying to get locked in. Yeah, Ali Khan, for anyone who doesn't know, is the terrific head of social for for the Blue Jays. They oh, yeah, do a, a ton of, oh, I don't know how no, much no, he we, comes we, up. We mention him all the time. Oh, all um, right. Well, as you should. He's the best. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, breaking news. The Pacers and Lakers are in the in-season tournament final, guys. So uh, <laughs> This is really going to be your thing, huh? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Pacers uh, with a thrilling win over the Milwaukee Bucks. I believe they played in the NBA bubble yesterday. Um, it was the it same vibe. Like same vibe. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, Tyree, Tyrese Halliburton, man. Like, it's, you know, we joke about the in-season tournament all the time, all these quirks and stuff, but he's really used this platform to elevate himself and i know we've talked about this like countless times already no but this is the the big storyline that's come out of the in-season tournament is honestly i feel like as much as the the league has provided this platform for him to perform at this level um and to have this breakout moment i feel like tyrese halliburton has done the league such a huge solid by playing at a level that has been so exciting that playing and leading a team in the pacers that have been the number one offense uh, in the NBA, and it continues to do so. They've knocked off two Giants in a must-win in the Celtics and now the Bucks. I wouldn't call the Bucks Giants, but we can talk about that. They are physically giant, at least, <laughs> in terms of just, like, they are a huge team, and it's a big mismatch in terms yeah. of this, like, you know, like, the last time I watched them play, and, and the Pacers also won that one, Giannis literally went off for 50, but mm-hmm. they still lost in that one, and they lost a big lead, the Bucks in that one, because the Pacers were able to use their guards to sort of um, run a lot of what the Bucks do well um, off the floor. And I think stylistically what they've been able to do is just like flip a lot of matchups on their head. And once again, they did that again. And, and they've just been this like great feel-good story. It was even great to see his parents come on the broadcast and, and have them talk about their son. And It was just great to sort of have everyone get to meet uh, this next superstar of the league. So very happy for Tyrese Halliburton. And I think most people are going to be rooting for the underdog to complete the whole thing, Not which me. would be for them to beat the Lakers in the finals. Okay, well, well, Blake, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. We watched the first half of the game together, and we, we were kind of impressed in real time. Obviously, a, a slower start for the Pacers. Uh, Brooke Lopez banging a couple threes early on. Brooke Lopez, by the way, further to our conversation yesterday, ended up playing 37 minutes in that game, mm. and the Bucks only lost them by three. So um, that is, you know, better than I, I would have expected that particular lineup to, to hold up against the spacey Pacers. But yeah, I thought, you know, offensively, what Tyrese Halliburton can do is just, look, the Bucks are one of the most poorly built teams, at least with the injuries they have right now to handle that. But they're coming off a win against the Celtics, who are maybe the best equipped team to handle that. So um, you've seen kind of both ends of the spectrum here and Halliburton find ways to, to pick apart both. This wasn't even a game where his three-point shot was dropping all that much. It, it was way more about the passes and the creativity. He had one play where he went, he drove and he went baseline and it looked like he was maybe going to gnash it and come back around, you know, use the rim for protection as you go reverse. And he threw, I swear, the pass curved around people. Like I don't like, like, it that, looked yeah. like a corner kick. 
yeah. that it just like nice. wrapped around the defenders to a three-point shooter on the opposite wing. So um, it, it's pretty incredible to see. It's also, you know, the Pacers are not good defensively. But even within that, down the stretch, the Bucks couldn't keep up. They mm-hmm. they did enough. You know, Dame shot 0 of 7 to start the game. Yeah. They weren't doing, like, an unbelievable job on Dame. He was just missing shots. But you kept him from kind of getting into Dame time until late there. Giannis had a big game. But they they turned the tap off on pretty much everyone else. And, and I thought it was a game where their depth really showed through. Their bench dramatically outplayed mm-hmm. what the Bucks could, could bring in. And it, it's kind of funny. Like, we see the headlines after that Bobby Portis had it out with Adrian Griffin and some of the other players after the game. Bobby Portis had four points and six rebounds and was a minus six in those bench minutes. Yeah. So what, what happened there? What yeah, happened breaking news um, per Chris Haynes yesterday, uh, Bobby Portis confronted uh, former Raptors assistant, current Bucks head coach, Adrian Griffin. Apparently Griffin entered the locker room and was like harping on the importance of winning the rebounding battle per sources. And then Bobby Portis, like Blake mentioned, who had four points on just five shots in a, in 18 minutes, interjected and stressed to Griffin how essential it is for them to structure the offense down the stretch of games. Yeah. Now, I appreciate yeah. how Chris Haynes has manicured and translated what was said because manicured. I'm sure it was not said in those polite terms. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, Bobby Portis, who once uh, also punched a teammate. Um, but, yeah, the Bucks are 15-7, and seven, but I think, like, just watching them, you see, like Blake mentioned, kind of the glaring flaws about mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. To me, they don't strike me as a real contender right now, you know, quarter way through the season. What do you guys make of this little scuffle? It's also just like, look, five games into this season, we heard after the Raptors beat the Bucks, mm-hmm. and Eric Name sat down with us and was like, hey, how's it going with Adrian Griffin? And was, the answer was uh, not well. Uh, the defense doesn't make a lot of sense and the mm-hmm. players aren't really vibing with it and, and it doesn't line up with their strengths and their comfort levels. Mm-hmm. So that happened and they changed the defense a little bit. Ironically, that's the type of defense you'd probably want to play against Tyrese Halliburton. Um, mm-hmm. um, and they veered away from that. But you see already now, this is two kind of not blow-ups because the first one was more of a, a you know, a sit down and let's talk it out. But this is, uh, this is not um, quite that level and it's not quite t- players only meeting level, but it's bad that this has happened twice in the first 20 games or 22 games. And I think it's also not great when you read the specifics of this. And one of the issues, you know, that one, a play they use to draw the example is Chris Middleton and Damian Lillard couldn't figure out on an inbound who should have the ball in their hands. And it ended up, they got into a set like seven or eight seconds into the possession. And then it was a quick turnover. Like that, the first thing you should be doing when you get Damian Lillard is figuring out what the hierarchy in that offense is going to look like late game. Like we still haven't seen, I think someone had the stat that Dame has only set a screen for Giannis like six times all year. And obviously you're using more of the Dame with Giannis as a screener, but like they have, they seem to be layering in the big crunch time stuff last. Whereas if it were me, I would want that Dame Giannis dynamic figured out right away because then you could, the first 42 minutes of the game, you can play around. You can see what works. And then when it's winning time, you have, you know, what should be your bread and butter play ready to go. If you can't even figure out if Chris Middleton or Dame Lillard should be the, the guy triggering in the action, you're you're pretty far behind here for a quarter of the way into the season. Yeah. Um, what this puts into perspective is, like, how impressive it was for Nick when Nick Nurse took over as head coach of the Raptors in 2018. How smooth at least the encore product looked right away. Um, you fold in Kawhi Leonard into this new team. Obviously, off the court, Kyle was really pissed because they traded DeMar and all that kind of stuff. And and there were other changes. But realistically, 
the, he was able to get them to perform and, you know, they didn't have these kind of issues. In fact, the team was actually pretty happy and willing to try new schemes and adopt these things because they were winning and also trying new things. In the Bucks scenario, they're so impatient with this, which is, I think, comes from a place of competitiveness, right? The Bucks' existing core had already won. They lost a beloved player in Drew Holiday, but for a needed upgrade to get Dame, because obviously their crunch time offense was poor, um, Dame's on like a timeline because this was not necessarily the place he wanted to get traded to. It obviously, he wanted to go to Miami, but clearly he wanted to get traded because he wanted to win. So now he's in this scenario. Is there patience to actually go through and learn these things? Because it seems like at the first signs of adversity, they're already folding on the coach. Yeah, they I folded think... on, the, on on Griffin on on defense and on offense now. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's just incredibly difficult um, to go through this. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was just also watching the game, and I was telling Blake literally within the first two minutes of watching this game, Brooke Lopez looks like a dinosaur out there trying to guard against, you know, Tyrese and, and how quick the paces were, stretching him out, getting to the basket. I'd never seen the Bucks give up so many layups mm-hmm. in, in traditionally because they've been so good defensively. But, A, the Pacers are on a different level offensively than most of the teams that they played, but also, B, the Bucks are not near defensive level that they used to be at. So I understand the frustration. Plus, of course, you know, you lose to 500K, which yeah. whatever. I mean, you talk about... The comparison to Nick Nurse, you know, the, the other comparison is like how Nate Bjorgren's first year went in Indiana, right? I know yeah, the stories yeah, came right. out. To me, this is just a sign of the players not having that. He, like Adrian Griffin hasn't earned the respect of that locker room. And that's, well, that's really concerning. Someone definitely leaked to Chris Haynes. Yes. And but, we can probably deduce where that could have came yeah. from. Not to try, not, I'm not trying to question the reporting. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying we know he has a really strong relationship with Dave going mm-hmm. on since, you know, ever since... 10 years ago in Portland, at least now. Yeah. And also that, like, Chris Haynes is, like, cousin is Dame's, or is literally Giannis' girlfriend? Yeah, they're like, yeah, yeah, there's, like, a relationship there, So which one of them ran to to the reporter and said, hey, guess what? There was a fight in the locker room, like. Yeah. No, I get it. Breaking news. I get 40% off on my next five Uber Eats orders. Um, You just want to say breaking news on anything. That's a 40%? I got to spend $40, though. Let's like go. a forty forty dollar minimum. Let's uh, let's Yo, get it Shohei going. Yo, Shohei bubble tea on me, um, and, time, and you as well, Derek. But yeah, so the Pacers move on, mm-hmm. um, and and in the nightcap, um, LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers just absolutely destroyed uh, Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram's uh, dream of spending five hundred k partying in Vegas. Um, yeah, I mean, here yesterday we we're giving out those fake awards, and I was talking about LeBron. And it, it is incredible to still watch him in these, you know, must-win scenarios, whatever you want to call them, and for him to still be this type of player at this age. He's the same age as me. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, the Lakers are my new championship pick, by the way. Yeah. Okay, this guy really just flipped from the Clippers <laughs> to the Lakers. It's fine. I get it. Um, they have obviously been really impressive uh, over the course of this, like, uh, in-season tournament run. They're 6-0, mm-hmm. just like the Pacers are right now. Um but I thought LeBron came out of that game right away and set this great tone. And you could tell that even though it's new, even though it's really exciting, LeBron's been in these scenarios before. He's been in these scenarios many times to the point where he's so comfortable being on win or go home. He's played game sevens before. It doesn't really matter that he's playing in a very, very dimly lit crowd in Vegas for this, like, essentially bubble 2.0. Mm-hmm. You can tell he thrives in those kind of scenarios, whereas... When the Pelicans were playing, and they played okay. That you know they were in it in the first half, 
until it felt like LeBron hit three straight deep threes, oh, that was which really threw a, a knockout blow. And it reminded me of like watching, again, bringing back to the Raptors, in those scenarios where the Raptors would make it to a stage they'd never been on before, and then they see LeBron, and LeBron would be so comfortable and just play his game. Meanwhile, the other team in the Raptors, who are novices in this case, would just fold. They would just crumble because they don't actually know this stage. They don't know this moment. And, of course, there are other things, too. I thought the Lakers did a great job of, you know, taking out uh, a lot of what the Pelicans do well. Like, they had LeBron guard Zion. Like, he was Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Like, Zion would have the ball, and he does a lot of ball handling, of course. And LeBron would be in the paint at the same time where Zion would be at the three-point line. And any off-ball screens he would go under, and that's why LeBron took three charges because Zion was unwilling to take any jumpers. seemed like he had no mid-range game that he was trusting and would just try to find ways to, like, barrel to the basket. And LeBron, being smart enough and also having that much position, he would always take charges. I think he took three charges on Zion. Yeah, and he did shoot six of eight in the paint, but, like, eight paint touches and eight field goal attempts in general <laughs> is not enough. And, yeah. and, like, he got the line a couple times and shot one for six. He mm-hmm. did have three turnovers, and you're, and you're right. I think a couple of those were... We're charging ones, which, yeah, I mean, that might be the most impressive thing of LeBron doing that, doing this at that age, that he's still willing to get in there and take a charge from, you know, a guy yeah. who's built like someone did a honey, I blew up the fullback. Like, it's, uh, it's that looks painful. And, like, I mean, it's great that he cares so much about the in-season tournament, too. Yeah. But I was just, I was so disappointed with that Pelican showing. They, I've checked them out a couple times this year when they've looked really good and really fun, and I do think they have one of the deepest teams in the league. And then I've checked them out a couple times where either Zion or Ingram just don't have it that night. And, man, for neither of them to have it last night, they didn't look competitive. Like, this, this did not look like a team that is ready yet, and they've got 60 games to get there, but ready yet for what the playoffs are going to look like in the Western Conference. Yeah. Um, having said that, though, still a lot of intriguing pieces on that. The Pelicans team. Oh, yeah. No, the, the takeaway here for the Pelicans should be you need to consolidate some of those young prospects and trade like three or four of them for one really proven player from uh, an Eastern Conference play-in-ish team. Mm. Yeah. Uh, again, we are just we are just begging on this show at the, today. But no, seriously, <laughs> it, was, it was so funny because when the time the fourth quarter started, it was already a 30-point game. And I was like, yo, just go back to that modified monster ESPN slash TNT. Yeah, group. I really enjoyed the little banter between they had. They the had nice sides. banter. Yeah, it was yeah. Stephen A versus the Derek, whole crew. Derek, can we get the Adam Silver banter drop, man? Where, where are you at, Derek? I'm really enjoying <laughs> the, all the banter. <laughs> yo, how did you do it so perfectly? Anyways, He's probably but, listened to it like a hundred times. Guys, 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 breaking news. Um, we have Utah Watanabe um, for uh, an interview. In segment two, yeah, which I'm enjoying will... all the banter. <laughs> That's why what did I mean. he, the way why he did said he it pause? is so weird. Who pauses at that part of the like, sentence? He put like a comma after I'm enjoying. Let's yeah, hear let's the full hear, version. Let's there. hear the full version. Let's hear the unedited. I'm enjoying all the banter. <laughs> why did he glitch? He, he took like eight breaths in the meantime. Man, he, was, he looked like Zion he, running up the court. He, he should have paused when he was on Pat McAfee, man. Um, uh, he really should have. Anyways, just want to give a quick shout out to the Red Bull crew: Ash, Yo. Andrew, Jared, Mac. Saul and Ryan, and shouts to Tom and Dory Jones, who are huge listeners oh, yeah? of the show. Yeah, salute. so shouts to Tom and Dory. No, salute. Those are those are absolute friends yeah. of the program. Yeah. So, uh, uh, do you? I guess you don't really want to get to these. Uh, we don't have time. Storylines. Yeah, you break. know what? We're gonna take a quick break. 
so Blake can catch up on all the tweets. And uh, I'm caught up, we, man. We... I just want to play that Utah interview. Okay, yeah. Let's... She, look, the latest reports are Shohei still hasn't decided yet, according yeah. to Ben Nicholson, Smith, Shadavidi, and oh, Alden Gonzalez, who's in LA. So, so we we right need now. to play that Utah interview so you can get him to give Shohei the sales pitch. That's why I'm trying you to want, get to that quick. You want you want Japanese athlete on Sportsnet? We got you. Let's That's go. Right. Go to We're break. Take this break. I'm in your host, Willow. You've been listening to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, William Liu. Continue to be joined by co-host Blake Murphy and... Alex Wong. Alex, you have some breaking news? Yes, for us? breaking news. Uh, Raptors Hornets will be on Sportsnet tonight, and Blake Murphy will be part of the pregame coverage. So, everybody. Exciting. Tune. That sure is the will. breaking news we're all waiting for on yeah, Sportsnet. Everybody tune in. Yeah. I bet my article today about all the lineup and rotation frustrations I have with the Raptors. Probably also. Tons of readership today. Uh, they got to they gotta put that in the baseball section. You know what it's going to have, though? It's going to have the like longest, one of the metrics you can see is like how long people stayed on the page. Mm. That tab is going to have stayed open for oh, people to yeah. try to read it, but then they're just like, well, mm. I'm going to click on 18 different Twitter threads instead. This is where I'm going to suggest the Pocket app. Just right-click Blake's link, add it to your pocket, and then read it on the subway on the way home later today. Uh, but anyway, in, in between here, we have uh, an interview with a Japanese athlete. <laughs> No, seriously, it's a friend of the program, Utah Watanabe, who obviously longtime listeners of the show, uh, even dating back to Yahoo, understand that uh, me and Utah have sort of like built this connection, and it was great to catch up with him last week when he was in town, the Phoenix Suns. We should get here. Ramen, the three of us. We should get Ramen, the three of us, is an actual thing uh, I'll be saying I don't have his number. L- later on in this. Uh, but yeah, it was great to catch up. I how did I do such a good impersonation? Uh, Wait, did you guys talk ramen? I know we're about to find let's, out. Let's just tease it, man. Can we just tease anything in, in life now? I might be at McDonald's. Okay, uh, so, yeah. Thankfully, uh, we, we were able to catch up. Uh, big thanks to uh, Suns PR. Suns PR, shouts to Bryce, shouts to Danielle. Yes. Um, as well, you know, we've been working on this, obviously, for, for a couple weeks here. That's right. And so we were able to connect yesterday. That's actually why I left. The show this and as left you, and put on a Jays jersey. And as you can see, I literally pulled out a Jays jersey, which is actually being hung up behind Blake right now. That exact jersey, I pulled it out of my bag, put it on in the span of one minute as I hopped into a random meeting room here at OMP for this interview with Utah Watanabe. So I hope you guys enjoy. We talked a lot about his time in Toronto and his career now. And of course, we asked him about Shohei Otani. Joining us once again is my dear friend Yuta Watanabe, who is now a forward with uh, the Phoenix Suns. Yuta, I believe this is the fourth time you and I have done an interview together. So I just want to say, man, thank you for always making time. You're literally calling us from what's this is after Suns practice? What, what's going on here? Yeah, this we just we just had a practice. So yeah, that was a practice. Yeah. Got you. This guy literally went from guarding Kevin Durant in practice to talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, I, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate yeah, it. Okay. Yeah, of course, of course. So, obviously, for people listening on the Raptors show, they know you because you spent two years with the Raptors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wanted to ask you a couple questions just about the Raptors and then about what you've done in your career and your life since playing on the Raptors. Yeah. Uh, I want to take you back to when you first signed with Toronto. How weird was it going into training camp that year? Because 
the Raptors, for people who don't remember, were in Tampa that season. So what yeah, do you remember yeah. about first joining? Um, you know, like I just did the uh, um, uh, two years, two ways with the Grizzlies. And like, um, you know, uh, no one really offered me. And Raptors is, uh, um, I think, one of the two teams that um, wanted me in the training camp. So, um, you know, and I knew Raptors has like great organization, like great development system, all kinds of stuff. So I told my agent, yeah, just uh, let me just go to uh, the training camp. So, uh, but that was just, like I said, that was in Tampa. That was a little weird, Um, but the weather was nice. Uh, I liked it. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, everything kind of worked out. So I really appreciate that um, Raptors gave me a chance. Yeah. Um, Take us through what the the setup was like in Tampa, right? Because you guys were playing in a ballroom for practice. And -hmm. I think you guys lived in the hotel above. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And some guys, I think some guys um, uh, find their apartment or condos. Uh But, you know, I was I was on two ways, so I didn't know if I was gonna, if I was gonna stay with the Raptors or go to a nine oh five. So I stay um, the hotel the entire season. That was that was frustrating. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, tell me about that. Tell me about living in the hotel for her entire season, man. Yeah, I mean, like you say, uh, the practice uh, we had a practice in the ballroom in the hotel. So yeah, you know, so to me, like everything was in the hotel. Like, and also, like, I didn't have a car or, like, I didn't have anything. So all I do is just walk to the practice court, do practice, go back to my room, eat, and just down for the day. So I, I like, I literally, like, never really left the hotel. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and I think you're probably not the only guy who did that, right? I think a lot of guys in that season probably were in a similar scenario to you. So... I could yeah. I could understand why that season for you guys was so, was such a strange year for the Raptors, obviously having to play outside of uh, mm-hmm. Toronto. Um, so I remember when you first signed with the Raptors, um, there was a press conference to introduce you to, you know, the the fan base to your typical press conference, and um, there was a lot of Japanese reporters in there. As always, you have a huge yeah. Japanese following, but they always let the English reporters ask the questions first. And, like, we were in Zoom because you guys were away, just like right. now. And, like, nobody put their hands up to ask you any questions. And I was like, wow, I, you know, this is this is unbelievable. I've never seen a player sign and nobody on to ask questions. Of course, a lot of Japanese reporters had great questions to ask you. That's when I started asking you questions because I was just like, look, no matter what, I don't even know yeah. you. Two. I didn't know you at the time. Um, but I just wanted to let people understand who you were and let you to share your perspective with uh I don't know if you remember that Zoom call, but it was it was kind of awkward. There's a lot of Zoom calls where it was basically just me asking you questions in English and yeah. other people asking you in Japanese. Yeah, I mean, I I do kind of remember that. And I really appreciate that you asked me a question because, yeah, I mean, if that, I mean, like I said, there was a lot of Japanese medias, but, uh, you know, uh, like you guys didn't really want to ask me anything. So I was like, yeah, I mean, whatever. And then you asked me a question. So, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I see you really popular now, man. I see you doing a Brooklyn Nets podcast. I saw when you got announced with Phoenix Suns, the media day, a lot of questions. So that's normal. But I, I think, you know, it, it also speaks to the fact that you were a two-way player at that time. So people didn't really know what you were about. And I think that season, um, you know, you were able to win the trust of your teammates, the trust of Nick Nurse, the head coach at the time. 
And that's what ultimately allowed you to stay with the Raptors for the following year. But what do you remember about some of the veterans on that team for the Raptors that year? Like, who were the guys that you were looking up to or you were uh, working with to try to get more comfortable with the the new team that you're joining? Uh, I mean, obviously, Kalo and Fred, they were like two vocal readers. So, uh, you know, you know, every practice, every game, uh, there was uh, there was ones who were always talking to us. Uh, trying to lead us, like no matter what, like they are just always, um, you know, in front of us, just uh, talking loud, communicating us. So, yeah, I mean, definitely those two are really I looked up to and uh, I really uh, really appreciate that, um, you know, those two have done for me. Yeah, I I know Fred told me in a previous interview that he was always really hard on you because he really believed in you. Mm -hmm. Um, And... I also know that Kyle was just hard on everybody. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he's Kyle Lowry. He could do that, yeah. you know? Um, I think back then they also called you, they called you Bobby Webster for a while, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just because uh, we, we both um, um, Japanese. So, yeah. I mean, it's kind of racist, I guess, but <laughs> well, I'm kidding. Uh, but, I know. Uh, that's yeah. kind of, um, you know, uh, some people might not appreciate that type of joke. Mm-hmm. But uh, I feel like, you know, that kind of stuff make me like really comfortable. You know, I was new to the team and, you know, um, those guys just uh, called me uh, Bobby Webster and like I was, I was just start laughing, you know, that make me like really comfortable. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of liked it. Yeah. No, that is that is funny. We've also spoken about this, too, but the experience of coming to a new country. And I know you've been in America for a long time now, but even still, there's this like a uh, cultural gap this cultural difference and you always feel a little bit like you stand out you're a little bit different i'm not going to be invited into this group and i think that those guys you know even though they're teasing you they're they they've brought they were inviting you into that group which mm-hmm. is great um so the following season you guys come back to toronto and you guys make the playoffs that was a really exciting year um unfortunately you dealt with a lot of injuries that season mm-hmm. i think that's sort of why you couldn't really stay consistently but towards the end of that when when the raptors ultimately decided to move on do you remember any of the conversations that you had maybe with nick nurse maybe with the front office about you know what what you did with toronto and also why they were moving on um i mean like they didn't say you know like specific but uh you know i kind of get i i could guess that you know uh they're not trying to move on Mm -hmm. but man i wanted to stay the raptors though you know i love toronto yeah, and uh, you know I had a two good season with the Raptors, but I wasn't sure if team's gonna offer me. So, you know, my goal was to uh, um, resign with the Raptors, and if not, like I told my agent that uh, if like NBA is not gonna work, then I want to go to a nine five. You know, I want to I want to really? stay in Toronto. Yeah, that's what that's wow. why I told my agent. Yeah. Wow, wow, that's that's unbelievable because. No offense to 905, but you're not a 905 player. You're not a G League player. Like you've you've already proven what you could do at that level many times, and you've been part of winning programs ever since. Um, well, luckily your agent found you the contract in Brooklyn. So yeah, tell me, yeah. tell me about so, that opportunity. Yeah, so you know that summer Brooklyn was you know uh, trying to move. You know, uh, KD offered the trade. So, um. So they weren't sure like what's gonna happen. Like not like I feel like every individual teams wasn't sure like what's gonna happen. You know, so like they were just like waiting until uh those things settle down. And then um I guess like Katie stayed uh try decided to stay in uh, Brooklyn. So 
uh, they gave me a non-guaranteed deal. So I was like, yeah, uh, you know, this is this might be the last chance. So like, I'm gonna just try it. And you know, I guess like everything like worked out really well. You know, I started playing well. Um, I had a great chemistry with my uh, teammates uh, in the Brooklyn, and you know, I I started shooting like really well. So yeah, that that was a, that was a season. Like you know, uh, when I retire, like I looked back and say like, hey, that season it's like probably like I pr- will never forget. Uh, I don't think a lot of people will forget it because for a while you were shooting fifty percent for three yeah. for like half the year, if not half the year. To the point where people were asking Kevin Durant questions in the press conference, like, who's a better shooter, Utah or Steph Curry? Two teammates. <laughs> yeah. And I think his, I think I think KD's answer was me, as in like yeah, said, yeah, I'm exactly, a better yeah. shooter. That's why he said, yeah. Yeah, but that, I, you were you were shooting so well because I remember when you came back to Toronto, one of the two times you came back to Toronto when you were with mm-hmm. the Nets, there was a game, and I know you know this one, down the stretch, you were you were in the game with about a minute left. It was a really close game. And I think it was Kyrie who drove in true yeah, to defense yeah. and kicked it to you. Mm-hmm. And you you hit the three. Tell me about that feeling, that celebration, that moment. I know you love the Raptors, but that had to feel really good. Yeah, I mean, like, I felt good because not, not just against the Raptors, but, uh, you know, the fact I was still in the game, like, when we are, like, you know, up one, down one. And the fact that Kyrie, he could just, laid up you know like mm, he, yeah. he, he could have just like shoot it but instead like, he decided to pass me the ball the trust we had i mean that felt really good and you know i mean that's kind of like uh one of one of my ways to you know appreciate the raptors you know uh, to show the fans that i didn't appreciate it uh, yeah, i i would appreciate if you missed <laughs> at that time like i know you guys are mad but uh, uh, after the game, actually, like, Lab Raptors fan reached out to me mm-hmm. uh, through the social media. Yeah. And they were like, um, I'm happy for you, like, congrats, all kind of stuff. So, yeah, I was, uh, I mean, that really explained, like, you know, um, how much, you know, Raptors fans really care about in, like, former, t- uh, uh, former Raptors. And I was like, wow, like, this is great. So, like, I really appreciate um, the Raptors fans. That's uh that's incredible. And I think you you probably already know this, but the reason why every team that you go to, whether you started in Memphis, going to Toronto, Brooklyn, and now in Phoenix, is the same way. You're really you're a really humble guy. You're you're really like probably one of the most humble NBA players, but you also only ever play for the team. And every fan is gonna be able to respect that and relate to that. And it seems like, you know, a lot of star players have been able to, you know, gravitate to you because it seems like KD really likes you. I mean, mm-hmm. are, your teammates again. In Phoenix, yeah. um, tell me about your relationship with Kevin Durant. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, like we are both kind of quiet, but uh, we were competitor, uh, hard worker, uh, and like you know, we had a, we had a great year uh, in the Brooklyn last year. I mean, we didn't finish the way that we wanted, but uh, um, you know, still like we are uh, teammates again, and uh, the trust we had last year and this season. Yeah, I mean. I'm just so um, grateful that uh, I'm able to play with him and to be able to see uh, how much he put in the work every day, every night. So, yeah, he is. Uh, if you could steal one skill from Kevin Durant, what would it be? Also, time. If you could, if you could 
take one skill that he has, maybe oh, one, one shot. Skill. Yeah. yeah. What, what would it be? Because obviously he's got a lot to choose from. Man, that's hard. Um, I mean, those midi, midi, mid-range game. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't miss. And like the crazy spot is like, if he miss, that's like, just that's not because of the defender. That's it. He, he's just missing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I remember last year uh, in the training camp, I had to guard Kevin Durant like every practice. <laughs> and I feel like, hey, like I, I, I just did a great defense and he just catch, catch, catch. Yeah. And then like, you know, once in a while, he missed it. And I was like, I mean, like I didn't do anything. He just missed it, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's got to be a terrible feeling because you're, you're working yeah. your hardest to try to stop yeah. him, but you literally can't yeah. stop him. But, you know, it's, uh, it's good that you guys are teammates then because you only got to do that in practice instead of in yeah. the game. Um, okay. So last year, obviously with Brooklyn, it was really good. And then obviously the trades happened. KD, you know, moved on. Kyrie moved on. I just imagine it was a really chaotic year just because of all the trade speculation. But at the same time, you guys also played really well as a group. I thought you guys could really do something last year with Brooklyn. You guys had a really good offense. You guys shot the ball really well, Mm -hmm. but whatever things didn't work out, uh, in the summertime, another big moment for you. So you're able to represent Japan in the world cup and you got to play at home. I mean, mm-hmm. Okinawa was not home, but you you were able to play in Japan at home. Yeah, yeah. And you you guys, I remember watching that tournament so much because Canada was in it too, and Canada ultimately won the bronze. But I always mm-hmm. watched your games too because, A, you get to score a lot more when you play for Japan. Right. And B, I loved how you guys played. That comeback you guys against, against Finland, I think that was mm-hmm. one of the first times an Asian team has defeated a European team at the World Cup. Yeah. Take yeah. me through that game and, and your feeling there because obviously they have Laurie Markkinen, you know? Yeah, I mean that was uh, that was really like tough game. You know, I was I was dealing with the injuries, so I didn't play well that game. Um, I was I was limping my leg, like I couldn't I couldn't really move. But uh, you know, my teammates did a great job. Just you know, um, stay locked in. Like we, I think we were down by like eighteen or like even twenty at like in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, in like. In NBA, you know, it's so fast and like everybody's like so good at it. So, you know, it's it's kind of easy to come back even like when we are down 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in the FIBA, like, you know, pace is a little bit slow. Um, you know, um, there's no um, uh, defensive three point, uh, defensive um, three seconds. So, like, everything packed. So, it's kind of it's kind of like hard to uh, come back in the FIBA games. Especially like against those great teams, but uh, you know we stay, we stick, to, we stick together. Um, uh, we locked in and we never gave up. So, um, and the fans was great though. Um, oh yeah, the arena was so loud. So man, that was uh, that was a definitely historic win for us. And uh, you know, you know, I, even though I didn't play well that game, you know, I was uh, I was really emotional after the game. Yeah, I remember seeing the the pictures and the video after the game. Um, you know, I, I got to say, uh, Japan held it down for all of Asia, okay? Because I feel like a lot of the Asian teams really struggled. Yeah. I thought it was a little disappointing for the Philippines, definitely a little disappointing for my Chinese team. But for you guys, you guys had, I think you guys had two wins too, which I think was uh, was pretty key. We had, yeah, we had we we won three games. Three but, games, uh, sorry, my bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we won three games, yeah. I think you guys had two big comebacks, that's what I'm remembering. Yeah, this was another yeah. game you guys came back to to win the mm-hmm. game. Yeah. Um, okay, so then you 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 signed with the the Phoenix Suns 
in, in the summer too. Um, mm-hmm. Take me through that decision. Was it Kevin Durant? Did he call you? He's like, you two, we got to team up again. What What was the decision? Oh, he, yeah, he, he reached out to me. Are you serious? Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like when I look at the phone, I was like, <laughs> wow. I mean, Kevin Durant reached out to me. Yeah. And he told me that he want to play with me again. I was like, I mean, there, uh, there were like some other teams offered me too. So, but, uh, you know, I mean, KD is obviously... Um, one of the reasons why I choose uh, Phoenix. Yeah, no doubt. Um, man, what? That's <laughs> such a good feeling, honestly. Yeah, such a good feeling. Yeah. It turns out if you shoot fifty percent for for three for a whole season, uh, teams will be calling you a lot more. But mm-hmm. not, that's awesome that Kevin was able to make the call. And and I think for you in, in Phoenix right now, you're dealing with a couple of injuries. You haven't gotten mm-hmm. off to the same kind of start you did in in, in Brooklyn. But at this mm-hmm. point, you could probably feel a little bit more comfortable knowing that. You you you've established what you can do in this in this uh, in this league, and what you can do in this role, and I'm sure you'll sort of catch back up uh, to speed uh, soon enough. I wanted to talk about coming back to Toronto. Uh, that was you know a week ago now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Besides me and Alex coming up to you and demanding your phone number and you saying no, <laughs> uh, what, what were some what were your favorite memories of coming back to Toronto? Because I saw you say hi to a lot of people. I mean, I think it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Uh, to see my teammates uh, when I was in Toronto, uh, coaching staff, fans, you know, like um, the uh, great part was like during the game uh, when I don't play, I always like uh, go ride the bike, you know, oh. like stationary bike. Okay. And there's like behind the bench and I was riding a bike and found behind me or found in front of me were like, hey, like, what's up, Utah? Like, like I'm happy for you. Like everybody, like you know, wow. um, start talking to me. Like congrats me, like on everything. So yeah, I mean that was uh, that was really great. And um, obviously, like I missed the um, city too. Like the Toronto, like that's like what like my favorite place. Wow. So yeah, uh, it was uh, uh, good to be back there. And you know, I played like really bad on that game. No, come we- on, it's okay. It's okay. I mean, I mean, it's okay, but um, also we lost, so I was uh, I was mad after the game. But at the same time, you know, like you know, it, it feels like really good to be back in Toronto. Like every time I go there. Yeah. No, we're we're always happy to have you. You know. Um, well, speaking of your love for Toronto, um, this is where I have to pivot into uh, a more shameless portion of this interview. So, as you know, your dear friend Shohei Otani is a free agent. He is yeah. maybe the most sought-after person in all of baseball. Everybody wants to sign Shohei Otani. Yeah. It seems like it's down to the Dodgers uh, and then the Blue Jays here in Toronto, as you can see mm-hmm. with this jersey. You, who, you're actually, like, really good friends with Shohei, right? Like, I'm I'm not over-exaggerating. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we all, yeah. Yeah, so. I guess, yeah. You are great friends. You Let's just say you're best friends, okay? I'm just going to say you're best friends. <laughs> Uh, and you have also played in Toronto. You know what it's like in Toronto. You know the vibe. You know the city. You know how nice it is in the summertime when they play baseball mm-hmm. here. Right. Please tell you if he was to call you, if Shohei was to call you, <laughs> what would you tell him about Toronto? Yeah, I'm gonna. I wanna just tell him like you know how great the city is, and you know like fans and like people, 
And like you said, the summertime is like really nice in Toronto. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell him all the good stuff about Toronto. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I know. I know. In your heart, you want him. I know. In your heart, you want him to sign in Arizona so you can go see him more often. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Divac <laughs> just went to uh, one of the cities, so I was kind of hoping that they know. don't need him, bro. Come, they don't need him. It's all good. It's it's yeah, all good. Yeah, we we need him. We need him in Toronto. Okay. No, I uh, also I, like um um the pitcher uh for the Blue Jays. Kukuchi. Uh, yeah. Yeah, him and uh, Shohei went to high, uh, same high school. So I mean, they got. I think that they got uh, um, good friends uh, relationship. So you guys have like big chance, I think. Okay, you know this is going to be in headlines everywhere now. That uh, <laughs> best friend, best friend Yuta Watanabe oh, says <laughs> Shohei is signing Toronto. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, last thing before we go. Um, yeah. When you were back in Toronto, we hand you the shirt because uh, mm-hmm. and it has Yuta Tabuse on yeah. it um so you're actually not the first f- japanese player you're not even the first yuta to play for the phoenix suns <laughs> right uh for the people in north america because i he only played a very little short amount of time mm-hmm. in uh in north america can you tell us what his game was like and, and what his importance is in japan yeah i mean like i said he was the first first japanese to ever make it to the league so you know um that game I still remember like I was nine or ten years old back uh, uh at that time but I was watching a game and when he stepped on the court I was screaming like like we were so happy like every like fans went crazy and you know uh he just became pioneer so um that really like you know made me feel like okay like it's possible, you know, mm-hmm. like Japanese, like a Japanese just made it to the league. It's not, it's not impossible anymore. He just made it. So, so yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he's just, he just great impact. He, he had a great impact on that, uh, you know, Japanese basketball team and, uh, you know, it also me and I know I'm sure, uh, to Rui too. And I'm just hoping that, you know, I can have same type of impact to the younger generation now. Because, you know, still like only three Japanese players uh, playing in the league, like Yuta Tabuse, me and Rui Hachimura. I wanted more, you know, mm-hmm. and I think it's possible. So I want uh, a lot of young guys to dream to be an NBA player. And, you know, uh, I want them to try it. Yeah. Well, you're you're going to be the example for this generation. You and Rui are going to be the example for this next generation of Japanese fans. So that's awesome. You forgot to mention that Yuta Tabuse was like five foot six. If if a five yeah, foot yeah. six Japanese guy can make the NBA, I think a lot of people might be able to yeah, make the so. NBA. You know. So. Yeah. so he's a legend for sure. Okay, Yuta, yeah, we're taking amazing. a lot of your time. Thank you so much for calling us from Phoenix. Yeah, and um, yeah, hopefully we'll get ramen next time. But you know, we'll see. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I I couldn't go eating this time, so I was I was mad too. I didn't it's, have time. It's okay. You could take. You could take. You could go with Shohei next time. Uh, he's in Toronto. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. See you, Utah. I uh, appreciate. It. Bye. All right. That was uh, our interview with Utah Watanabe of the Phoenix Suns. Uh, obviously, two-time uh, Raptor as well. Uh, two-time Raptor, like he's a two-time <laughs> champion or something. You didn't no. praise him enough in the interview. Uh, I really listening back to the interview. I was like, wow. I really got to 
over, I really over compliment people, but you know, you could tell that. No, it's great. I love you it. to have like a little rapport. Yeah. And you, nice, man. you talk nice. like, yeah, I sucked at FIBA. I sucked, you know, in that game back in Toronto. I was terrible in Phoenix. Yeah. This week between Dennis and Utah, if you were an NBA player that feels badly about yeah. yourself right now, you come on the Raptors show and you, you talk it out. <laughs> no, nah, but uh, it was great to catch up with them. It, it, you know, I guess one of the takeaways from it was, um, just how much you love Toronto. Like, I genuine. didn't know that. I think that's why he wanted to interview, not necessarily because he wanted to hear from his stalker again, me, uh, yeah. but I think he wanted to just reflect on his time in Toronto. And I guess we did have an answer as to, like, why he left. But the fact that he was willing to sign with a 905 if he didn't work, if it didn't work out in the NBA, like, that's, I, I don't know, man. I, I guess I didn't fully appreciate the appreciation that he had for the Raptors and that organization here. So, yeah. Yeah, man. What do you guys want to talk about? Shouts to Takashi, man. Uh, happy holidays to you. We, we did that for you, Takashi. Hey, Takashi, wherever you are, man, we miss you. All right? And, we uh, know where he is. He's in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> you act like he's like... I was DMing with him earlier this week about showing right. stuff. What do you, what you, know do you mean what? wherever you can are? We, can we be honest about this? None of the three of us are mentally prepared to do this episode today. <laughs> for I different mean. reasons. <laughs> All three different reasons. Shouts to Red Bull. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, any updates? No, no, updates. no, there's, there's nothing right now. A couple, like we said earlier, there, there is some reporting out there, but there is our own reporting internally at Sportsnet mm. and Alvin Gonzalez on the LA side at the athletics saying no decision has been made yet. Now you can feel how you feel about that and, and do the, the Reddit and Twitter searches and things like that. There, there's lots of fun stuff out there, but as of right now, um, the official line is no decision has been made yet. Mm. Sure feels like it's coming though. You guys getting yeah. the you guys getting the white, the powder blue, or the gray Otani jersey? I want all three. <laughs> <laughs> I want Shohei Otani. No, we're calling Andy Lou Soju Otani. But, oh yeah. Uh, all right, breaking news. We're gonna continue in the second hour that's and right. hand out some Raptors greats. Yeah, we're trying not to talk about Raptors, but uh, that's really up to Shohei. So we're gonna take this break. I've been your host Willow. You've been listening to the Raptors Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Your daily dose of everything NFL. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptors show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. Continue to be joined by Blake. And Alex. Did you forget uh, my name? No, no, I'm just waiting for Alex to finish chewing oh. so he's able to speak. I didn't want any opportunity where there are chunks all over uh, the the microphones. How are you guys doing? Like, in the last five minutes, anything? Chunks. No, we're still uh, still just holding pattern, waiting. Okay. Well, if... No updates. If at all possible, we are going to tr- attempt to do some Raptors content for the next 30 minutes. Again, we'll, we'll, we will break. And we, 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 will, we will make sure to, to pivot. Come if, on, Otani. He's on a plane right now. Like, what is the point? Also, if anyone There's else... Wi-Fi on the plane. Announce it on the plane, man. That's not how these things I go. I want to go home. If, uh, imagine if anybody else other than Shohei walks off that plane. The one that, that's probably being tracked. <laughs> and also, if I can tell the media trucks that are probably on their way to Pearson, don't do that. No, I know Lindsay done there right now. Leave Lindsay. <laughs> Convince the cameras to turn around and leave. Please. She's like hanging out, hanging on one of those ladders that they roll out of helicopters and just with the microphone no, getting ready. Lindsay, if you're listening, man, let me know your whereabouts. 
just like we need to know Takashi's whereabouts. Yeah. Hey, Takashi, wherever you are. Yeah, I mean, look, it's whatever prefecture it's, you're in. It's 5 a.m. in Tokyo right now. Hard. Hard. Takashi's probably That's asleep. Takashi, drop a freestyle in your Jalen Harris jersey that I gifted you. I'm here um, to ask once again about Yuta Watanabe. All right, so uh, Raptors That's actually grades. me, though. But oh, no, seriously, up? actually, I wanted to say before, just a big shout out to JR for uh, helping, you know, process the video and everything like that. Hmm. I know there's a lot of discussion week after week about who contributes to the show. Yeah. Got to give JR a huge uh, plug. And, and honestly, Damn. it might be a, maybe a late contender, JR. Is this for real right now? Yeah, maybe a late contender. Are we giving JR, like, props on air? Like, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm like, just, I just want to show appreciation. I want to give him his flowers. But, you know what? Uh, this is mm-hmm. one where, like, I'm not I'm not going to put him on my ballot for most improved for the chain, but uh-huh. he's on my, like, list of, like, potential most improved candidates next season. So next uh, week, yeah. I'm looking at him as, you know, could he make hey. that next step and get into the yeah, chain conversation? Then, <laughs> unfortunately, you know, and then the week after that, and then we're going to be on holiday break for a week. Yeah. So yeah. not yeah. a lot of time left for, for JR to get his chain for this year. Um, Before we get to uh, Raptors grades, I have a a Shohei question for you guys. So we just you you just talked to Yuta Watanabe, yes, and obviously a part of that conversation is how much it means to him to represent Japan at Mm -hmm. the international level and in the NBA. And he said there have only been three Japanese players in the NBA. He would like that number to be higher. Now I know. Neither of you are Japanese, but if the Blue Jays were to get Shohei Otani mm-hmm. and this city's sports market would be defined by an Asian superstar, how much would that mean to you guys? I mean, it would be very meaningful. I mean, beyond the fact that obviously you would sign the best player in the sport, but... What you know about baseball, though? Yeah. But I mean, I would actually <laughs> want to go. I would actually want to go. And obviously, I understand that the Jays have had a number of like significant um, Asian stars. Yeah, I mean, name name the, three. Well, the jersey in behind Blake is actually a Ryu jersey. Okay, name two more Asians who have played for the Jays. Uh, you know, Kikuchi. Yep. <laughs> who I did say excitedly. What do you know about Tomo Oka, bro? I don't know who, what Munenori that is. Munenori Kawasaki. I, I know Kawasaki. Yeah. Oh, many Ka- people know Kawasaki. Kawasaki became a meme in the way I'm yeah, like, all right. I didn't really like that. Yeah, that w- it was not It's more funny to great. you than it actually is, and that's yeah. a bit of a problem for me, but that's a sensitivity on my part. Yeah. Uh, no, but it would be very cool. Of it course it would cool. be. I think uh, the best thing, I, uh, the best explanation I can give is like, I half joke to people, but I, I mean it. Jeremy Lin coming to the Raptors that season was as huge to me as Kawhi Leonard coming okay. to the Raptors. All like, right. I mean it, though. I do remember, so the day that Jeremy got signed in Toronto, mm-hmm. uh, I was on my way to the airport because I was taking a short vacation in <laughs> Columbia over the All-Star heard, break. Heard this story eight times. And I literally was, like, in the airport trying to record a React pod. And you did Jeremy record Lin. one, what? Did you record one? No, I, I couldn't do it oh. just because it's, like, every five minutes there was just, like, the, um, you know, could Dennis Schroeder please come to the Raptors team plane? Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, you get the, you, the flight is departing to Charlotte, and you are on a phone call with Blake and Will. Mm. Um, So it was too, you know, noisy. But I remember that entire – I was actually to Mexico, and the whole five-hour plane ride, I just had, like, all the time in the world to just, like, write out an article to the point where as soon as I landed, I threw it up on uh, Raptors Republic. Um. But, yeah, it would be very exciting. But you know what is also exciting? Giving out Raptors grades <laughs> what a, for the quarter Sorry, is that not a cool thing that, for me to bring up? I was no, curious no, no, what no. your take is. I didn't realize you'd <laughs> no, pivot off of it. Is so that a quickly. Keith Pompey transition? No, you have to be stressed. How much time do we have? I mean, <laughs> You know, we're free-flowing we're free today, man. Yeah, you're right. Look, he, did, he did go yeah, Pompey yeah. there. 
Because he, he's like, you know hey, what's the nuts? Blue Jays lineup would be very hard to pitch to. You know what else <laughs> is, is hard to pitch? Yeah. This Blue gym, <laughs> the Xbox. Uh, yeah. You need that? <laughs> All right. We got to give out some grades. D for that transition. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yesterday's show, um, you know, I guess we were just yelling at, at the Raptors the whole show. It was a little bit of a kind of like a parent-teacher meeting, you yeah. know, kind of right. yelled at them. Mm-hmm. And then the today, today's report card day, you know. Okay. The grades are coming out. So okay, br- how, how about this? How Yo, about hold this? on, guys. Breaking news. The Raptors are 9-12 and 12 this season. Currently mm-hmm. 11th in the East. Guys, pump fakes on DeMar DeRozan level um, right now, man. <laughs> Did I'm I get jump, you? I'm jumping Did I get you kind of on that one? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm friend um, of the program, Chris Boucher, on this one. Um, but, but, yeah, so let's start with, before we dive into just, like, individuals and all that, just the overall team, what are you guys giving them as a letter grade 21 games into the season? How about this? How about this? I have an idea that we're just going to, because we're doing free flowing. Free flow. We're going to let uh, Blake be the teacher here. He's okay. going to hand the grades. We are going to be Mr. the two Murphy. parents who are in this parent-teacher interview. <laughs> I'm second mommy right now. <laughs> You're literally second mommy right now. You're going to be very supportive of whichever person is in the room. And I'm going to be the more, like, uh, the, the, the dragon, the tiger parent, essentially. Okay. Yeah, so, be. okay. Like, give, okay. Us, give, us the, give us the grade. Yeah, how, how, is our kid, how is our kid doing? How, the, how the is Raptors? Darko Ryakovich doing in class? How, uh, how is our rap, the Raptors overall? Yeah. Well, Darko's a separate one. He's yes. listed separately Less in the rundown. Yeah. So yeah. this is uh, okay. a Raptors right. overall grade. Yes. Overall grade, yeah. yeah. How's our kid doing? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say, so far, it is a C-. minus. Now, Ooh. C is kind of... I, I didn't get grades this low, obviously, so I don't really know what a C means, but oh, I, yeah. I anticipate... Oh, yeah, I'm trying, to brag about, trying to brag about being a nerd. <laughs> Mr. Um, 176 on the L side. Yeah. No, like a, like a C is like met expectations, but I'm like unimpressed uh, or whatever. Is, you're disowned. Um, Sorry. Yeah, I mean, it, sometimes some people are C students. I don't know. If you get a you're C, right. you're allowed you're to right. still Sorry. play on the basketball team Listen, and stuff. Listen, these grades so, mean nothing in society. Um, okay, so I, I got to say C- minus because it's, it's you know, a C to me or a C plus would be, yeah, I've met expectations and it's fine, but I'm not overwhelmed. You haven't done anything extra. I'm digging it just a little bit there because – you know, one, nine, and 12 is a little lower than I would have expected them at this point. I did pick them for 40 wins before the season, but I can't be too disappointed at that because we laid it out at the start of the season. There'll be a top 10-ish defense. Now they're 11th now. That needs to be higher, but they're top 10-ish. Um, they're going to be a bottom five half-court offense, which they are, and the swing is going to come on. You know, are you able to fight back in games? Are you able to juice enough transition offense? And that is waned day-to-day. I, I think I also ding them a little bit because – as I wrote about today at sportsnet.ca and kind of expressed yesterday in getting to nine and 12, I don't feel like they have tried enough different things or looked different enough for me to feel like I've really learned much. Mm. And I know you pushed back on that a little bit yesterday, Will, um, because they are trying to run this different offense and the defense is more conservative and those are small things, but I think big picture, you know, other than, Scotty being where he is, which we already thought he could get there. We just didn't know on the timeline with which he'd get there. I really feel like I haven't learned anything this year. So to me, it's a it's a little under what were already pretty modest expectations. Yeah, I actually mm. totally agree with the C minus grade. Uh, we had listed as pros and cons, and so I had quickly jotted down the pros and the cons. So we'll start with the pros. I think the theme here is that what Darko said he was going to do, those things have translated to what the roster has done, right? Which Ultimately, independent of the results, it still matters to me whether or not the players are actually following uh, the you know direction of the coach and whether the coach is able to convince the players to do that um, as a starting point. Because whatever, the roster is going to come and go. It's going to change. 
But the ability of the coach to impart his style on the players is always something very important. I mean, we just had a discussion about Adrian Griffin and how much the Bucks have pushed back, and so he's folded multiple times now. Uh, Darko came in talking about how he wants the Raptors to be, you know, right up in the league lead in terms of passes per game, in terms of assists. Raptors are second in the league right now in passes per game. They're cool, congrats. 292 yeah. passes last season to 310 passes Amazing. per game. Amazing. Raise ticket prices. They're, they're passing. Come see passes. <laughs> Come see you want passes. a season pass for passes? <laughs> uh. They got an unlimited pass. Like this it's is Wonderland. disgusting, but yeah. go on. Yeah. Uh, so they are, they are actually doing what he wants them to do offensively. Cool. <laughs> they have also really, like, simplified their defense to take it away from what they've been doing the last couple of years, which mm-hmm. is objectively one of the more complicated defenses. In a recent interview, Darko actually explained how even relative to what they did in Memphis, this is quite basic. Mm. Now it's problematic that, especially in the last couple of weeks here, that their defense has gone so much um, more breakdowns mm-hmm. because if you're, bre- if you're breaking down in a simple scheme, yeah. That's way worse than if you were breaking down last year in Nick Nurse's scheme where it was more complex. Yeah, I want to ask you um, before yeah. you go on, to, uh, both of you, because you guys are both ball knowers, what, why do you think they, they went with wanting to simplify the defense this season? Um, Is it just like the personnel? I think you could have. There was a case to be made that there was a different way to approach and whether you're going to play aggressive or conservative. In this case, Darko's defense is conservative. Nick's defense is aggressive. Um you could have argued that you could have provided better results, like the Raptors fouled a lot, for example, or they gave up some offensive rebounds. Well, that was more true before Yak came in uh, last year, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, I, I think that, you know, as with everything, results is what matters. And the fact is mm-hmm. that the Raptors are not better than they were last year defensively, Blake. Yeah, in terms of why they did mm-hmm. it, I think, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty breakneck style. That style takes attacks on you, especially if you're playing guys 38, 39 minutes a game. Right. Um, I also wonder if there's something to that style when you're turning it up to 11 for the entire game and being that aggressive, if you don't have the ability to play a more standard defense if you need it, um, whereas maybe they think they can dial that back up from this type of defense as they, hey, if we need to trap, we've seen them do it once or twice, um, but not a ton. Mostly, though, I think it's, I think part of it is they look at their roster and they have a lot of guys who should be good individual defenders, unbelievable individual defenders in the case of OG and potentially Scotty Barnes. And to me, one of the things I would scratch my head at at the last couple of years is, even though I understood they were trying to juice the possession game, that was a big part of the, the overall strategy, but why are you sending so much help at a guy who is all defense and yep. really, really yep. good navigating a star score one-on-one on the perimeter? Or why are you having, you know, Scotty Barnes be the, the second guy in a high trap up at the hash mark when he's so effective, you know, if there is a breakdown, being the help defender in the paint? I just didn't think it, it made the best use Mm-hmm. out of really good individual defenders. So yeah. I think part of it is that. Part of it is they probably just wanted to see what this would look like. Um, and then, yeah, it's just it's a difficult thing. And I don't know that, like, if that's your strategy long-term, I think it's probably going to be tough to find guys and get them up to speed in your system, which we saw with Nick a lot over the years. Even though, even when the defense was really effective, guys took a long time to earn that trust from him and figure right. it out. Um, in the bigger picture, though, mm. those because those are the actual, like, X's and O's reasons why you would maybe want to play more conservative with this roster specifically. Bigger picture is I felt like they really wanted to bring in a coach that would undo pretty much all the tendencies that Nick did. Because the other pro, and the last one here in terms of the pros and cons for Darko so far, is that true to his word, he has played a 10-man rotation. Even in games where it felt like the Raptors, is that 10th guy contributing? 
Not really, but mm-hmm. he'll still play 10 guys night in, night out. Now, I'm trying to figure out how these are pros, but yeah. Go going on. to the cons, he has played 10 guys night in, night mm-hmm. out. And yeah. there are never games, well, maybe once or twice this season, but we're talking about in a span of like 21 games now, where 10 guys have all contributed when they come onto the court. Has, has there been a single game this season where you look at the Raptors and you're like, wow, we got more depth than the other team? We're rolling out 10 guys right now. Uh, no, but I haven't felt that in three years. So that's yeah. not a Darko problem. That's a no, front that's office fair. problem, to that's be clear. Fair. That's fair. That's but fair. one of the cons is that you're playing uh, players that are not productive. Players mm-hmm. that are actively taking yeah. you know, production off the court is one of the cons. Another con, lack of flexibility in the lineups. Starting mm. lineup, even though it's been sliding, started the season well. First yeah. five, ten games was even pretty good. And it slid recently mm-hmm. no changes in the fri- on the horizon yeah. for the starting line See, I dis- yeah oh i disagree because i want the, the starters got to figure it out okay i i hear you i yeah. hear you but i hear you too as well i get it i get you it. could try different things no i get it but they haven't tried different things yeah continuing on with that they're still running scotty and bench which is mm-hmm. i don't think a great way to feature scotty nor is it a great way to win games when you have four bench players on the court that are typically not producing alongside of your mm-hmm. most productive player who then has a lot of his productivity cut short because he's literally being offset. Uh, and then I would say port late game management. Offset? Migos? Okay, yeah, go Because on. in the Celtics game, that was definitely poor late game management. Remember Scotty waiting in the score table in the close game there? Yep. Couldn't get into the game. Spurs game in overtime. He had to start Otto Porter because OG needed a break. That, that one was fine. They won the game, so we're not going to call it poor late game management. Come on. The Cavs game, I didn't think he managed that one particularly well down the stretch. Yep. The Nets game, when he went to hack a clacks, <laughs> and got Claxton off the floor, but then he responded by taking Jakob off the floor. They lose that game on a 12 nothing run. Yeah. Uh, the Heat game recently, I didn't think that, you mm-hmm. know, there was any part of that game where I felt, wow, Darko's really outmaneuvering, outmaneuvering. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we on a farm right now. <laughs> Really, he was really outmaneuvering uh, Eric Spolstra at any given point. Unreal. <laughs> and then the last thing is the pizza party. The pizza party. Yeah, that's a miss. This is my thing. This is my yeah. question. When you're pointing out the flaws in the, you know, rotations, the in-game management, because the pushback I get when I talk to, you know, certain media members as oh, well is that. say NBA insiders. <laughs> Oscar, like, Whoa. <laughs> no, just right. friends of ours. Yeah. Um, is that, hey, he's a rookie coach. Like, you got to give him time to figure it out. And my pushback is like, no, you're hired to be an NBA head coach. Oh, Do what? your job. I understand the the rookie head coach stuff with some of the like late game or in game adjustments, the speed with which you apply those. The you know when do you when do you feel you need the timeout? When do you feel you need to make the adjustment versus giving it an extra possession? I understand that stuff takes a little bit to feel yeah. out, but he does have G League head coach experience, so he got a little bit of it that at least. Like, that was like I, ten years ago. I know. I'm just saying it's not. Yeah. He's not the absolute first time he's been head coach. Mm-hmm. But I think, Alex, to your point, some of this rotation stuff is stuff that you could have been um, looking at, like, all offseason anyway, right? Like, sure. what different rotation patterns, what different personnel patterns. So I have less patience for that okay. explanation when it comes to some of the rotation yeah. stuff. The, the micro stuff I can get there with a little bit more that mm-hmm. it takes a little bit of time to, to find yourself. Yeah, my thing with this team is just that, like, you cannot lose any of these edges. Like, you cannot be at a coaching disadvantage. Like, there's a lot of things that they can't be losing on the margins if they're really trying to win right now. So, yeah, that's why maybe I'm a little bit harder on Darko than, like, other people. I I also forgot to put this in the pros, but it does seem like everyone still likes him, which is a (laughs) big upgrade from previous. uh... (laughs) These are not translating to wins and losses. Um, I guess. But it's easier for people to do their jobs. (laughs) Okay. All right. You guys want to move to the players? Wait, did we grade Darko then? Yeah, C-. minus. 
I mean, my C minus was for overall, overall but yeah, we can hang. I mean, I know that's not the big attention. Yeah. Because you floated to Darko, and I'm like, I'm going to let you rock. Yeah. Um, I I would say I would be a little friendlier than C minus just for Darko specifically (laughs) because, you know, you don't know how much of this is is top-down dictated. It's 22 games in, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So if he's top-down dictated, that means he's a yes man then. uh, I mean, it's like strategically, I I would hope and assume that that is a decision that like was a part of the hiring process like how do you envision this roster how do you want to play yeah um so even if it's not a yes man there should be some collaboration right. anyway i would probably give darko a c rather than the best a thing he's done so far is bring out a better version of scotty that yeah. we have seen like previously. look basically That's what it. i'm saying is i can't ding i can't give darko the same grade as the team overall because i can't ding darko for the fact that this is the fourth year in a row of doing this and yeah. that is a part of my frustration with the overall team All i right. can't ding darko for that all right Let's yeah. go to the players. Ding dong. So Blake is a teacher, and we are going <laughs> to be the two parents who argue in favor and also against that grade. Yeah, so. so let's hear, why don't we do this? Let's hear the grades for the five starters, and then we can dive into who we want to talk about. And okay, stuff. yeah, fair. Because I don't think we're going to debate much Jakob Pertl's grade, for example. <laughs> yeah. So that's a good idea. So five, the grades for the five starters. All right, uh, Dennis Schroeder, A+. plus. He comes on the Raptors show every week, uh, has never made a bad play on the court, wow. et cetera. Um, no, I, Another I think... Another point guard buying the media. Yeah, I, I think... <laughs> my favorite storyline, buying the media. Please buy the media. I'm open for business. <laughs> Dennis, pay me money, man. I got you. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. Um, I think Dennis is probably like a B minus. Like some of the issues with Dennis so far this year are, are in how he's being deployed. The fact that the starting lineup has been rigid. The fact that he hasn't spent many minutes, you know, with a bench lineup where he can run, pick and roll and help those groups. The fact that he has closed 100% of crunch time minutes. Like those are not necessarily within his decision. What is within his decision making though is, you know, the shot hasn't taken a step forward, which we really didn't expect it to anyway. And some of the decision making late in games has been problematic. The 27.5% usage rate in the clutch, only having a 41.5% true shooting percentage in those minutes. So even if you don't know what those stats are, you're using a lot of possessions and not using them particularly well. Um, I think, you know, the first 42 minutes of a lot of games, he's been pretty solid. Uh, It's just, you know, I disagree a little bit with how specifically he's being deployed. So am I I just running through all five? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hear hear them. Scotty, I'd say A minus. I, I think he's taken a really nice step forward. The the only, you know, an A plus would have to be like, man, I'm seeing this every single game. And then maybe there's like a little bit of there are times where it has to be coaxed out of him a little bit to to give it. But for the most part, Scotty has been very, very good. We're seeing all the steps forward uh in offense that we would like to see, certainly in defense. And then, you know, if there's a an area and the team would have to help him with this, I would really like to see a little bit more of Scotty Barnes initiating pick and roll. I, we've only gotten little looks at it. I would like to see more of that. So I guess maybe it's an A with a subgrade where that pick and roll stuff is incomplete because we just haven't got to see it uh, enough. Pascal, B, I think he's been the exact same guy we know him to be. He had a rough start. He carried the team for a couple games. He's kind of settled in here as the guy we expect him to be. They can go to that post-up mismatch offense when they need to, but you don't want that to be a a big part. Um, Maybe ding it to a B- minus because the three-point shooting has been so problematic. It's only at 20%, and that makes the it with Scotty Barnes a, a little more difficult. I also haven't thought Pascal has defended as well the last 15 games or so as he did at the at the start of the season. Uh, so B to B minus there. Yak C plus. I don't know. He's exactly what I expected. He's leading. The, he's leading the league. <laughs> oh, in, so he's funny. leading the league in field goal percentage, but he hasn't been as great defensively and as impactful as you know. I think this group thought. And then you know within that, similar to what I've said about Scotty and Dennis, some of that is 
usage and what lineups are you playing in? And is, you know, are you blaming him for not enough space? Are you blaming these lineups for not enough space? Um, and then I'll round it up with OG gets a B plus. I think he's been really good defensively. The three point shooting has taken uh, yet another step forward. He's at 41%. He leads the league in corner threes made. That stuff is really important for this team, but very few signs of offensive growth in other areas of his game, other than maybe some of his interior to interior passing. Like if he gets the ball on a cut and dumps it off, um, you know, haven't seen a lot of advancement in his dribble. Um, really haven't seen him run pick and roll basically at all, which, which you'd kind of expect. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like those are fair. They might be a little too friendly when I look at them now and the whole team has a C minus, but also like everyone on the bench is going to get an F. Yeah, no, I think this checks out in terms of the, the starters. Wow. I don't have any huge gripes. Oh, yo, breaking. Charlotte Hornets just announced that LaMelo Ball is progressing in his rehab and is beginning individual activities this week. Yeah. Just wanted to let you guys. He's out tonight, though. These breakings don't hit for me, man. Damn it. I actually don't. Do you I, not I'm not care? that worried. I mean, if you told me breaking, I, I, I got the last half hour of my day off. I, I'd actually be kind of thrilled. God but um, what was I going to say? Yeah, I think with Dennis, um, B minus, I feel like he probably is closer to a B in my book. I feel like he started the season really strong. First eight games of the year, averaging 17 points per game, shooting 47% from the field. And the most important thing, he was shooting 40% from three. And it was a continuation of, well, he shot the three wall in, in FIBA. Can he continue that here? Unfortunately, since then, he's really gone downhill. So I actually do understand the B-minus grade. He's at 34.6% if anyone hasn't checked lately. Yeah, which is closer, pretty much right in line with his career average, I think. And that was one of the concerns, especially in that Heat game, was right away the Heat were like, we're just not going to guard him that much out there. And it's going to really allow us to play A, our junkie defenses, which the, the Heat love to do, but also... Um, just in general, sort of throw a, a wrench into things. Um, I think for for Dennis, as you mentioned, the, the, the crunch time usage is is high. Like, it's objectively high. The last time I looked at it after the Heat game, he was ninth in the league in field goal, like crunch time field goal attempts, which the list is, like, pretty much, like, who you would expect, like LeBron and, like, Luka and guys like that. And then it gets to Dennis. Uh, my thing, too, is just that for for him – there's just isn't a big diversity of skill sets on the team. There are very few guards on the team. And so I'm fine with redistributing his usage. It actually reminds me of so many conversations I had about Fred. I'm fine with distributing his usage elsewhere because I don't think he's like that productive with what he's currently be using. The bigger thing is who's actually going to replace that usage. It's easy to say in the abstract, let's just give the ball to someone else instead. But mm-hmm. can we see that, that actually in action? Because I think at certain times, it's not as easy as doing that. But having said that, though, you know, if he's going to use this much usage, the production has to be greater. Yeah. I also think that he's been banged up a couple of times, too. Like, we literally yeah, saw him take a knee-on-knee hit. Yeah. And yeah. he's been questionable for a number of these games. That doesn't really excuse, again, like, he's playing, he's playing. I'm, I'm, this is not me trying to anything. But contextually, mm-hmm. I do feel like, relative to the expectation, he actually has been better than what I thought. But there's been a number of down games. There's no doubt. Yeah, I think B is fair. And... um a side grade A plus, honestly, as a guest. Oh, as a guest, like, A plus, a guest, but that's, like, that's independent of that. No, we are not independent. We're bought. Uh, um, uh, we're, it's actually yeah, the opposite. Go on. Um, Jakob C plus, I mean, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I mean, like, how much more could you really expect? You know, well, from if Jakob? I'm trading a first rounder and I'm signing this guy to a long-term deal. Well, what do you think Jakob was going to come here and well, do? Well, I just, you know, I think C plus, he deserves a C plus. Like, is he not giving effort for you out there then? I don't know. He just hasn't been that impressive. All right. I mean, he's just, it, it's Jakob. You know exactly know, what he was. He's but... been like a similar-ish player since he's come into the league. He's added a little bit more high post passing. C-plus is a fine grade, though. You're right in the middle of the bell curve. 
But you know what? You're right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fine. Fine. We're in the middle of the bell curve. Pascal B minus. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think it's just the slow start to the season. The three point shooting wasn't there. Scotty has an A. I think he's given that impact. Mm-hmm. He's really slowed down recently, though. Is yeah. that a concern for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I teetered, as I explained it there, between A and A minus, and some okay. of that is is usage-based. But, yeah, it's not, you know, look, we're, we're nitpicking here. It's, that's the difference between an A and an A minus here yeah, is, sure. uh, you know, yeah, you would like to see that a little earlier in games or with a little bit more consistency. I hear you. I hear you. I, yeah. I want the true shooting to be better. It feels weird because he is shooting the three at a much higher level, but his true shooting is still league average at 55. Yeah, I, but I, I also have time. Like, I have understanding for that because – he has played 100 minutes with four bench players only, okay. and his true right. shooting percentage in those minutes is really dragging down his overall numbers. Okay. And it's because, I mean, if you watch any of those segments, and you'll remember this without having to go back and watch them, you know, the offense is basically, well, if Scotty can't hit a pull-up three at the top mm-hmm. or just bully someone to the paint, this offense doesn't really have a way to create anything. There's no natural screen and roll partner for him there because yeah. Precious is more of a, a slip or pop guy than an actual created advantage and just get a and there's not a lot of spacing there so yeah. um yeah i think that's yeah. dragging down the overall numbers just a little uh, at least a little bit it's 100 minutes i hear you yeah um so moving on to the bench um i actually don't want to spend that much time on these individuals because i know we've talked about them at length so maybe we can give them an overall just an overall grade and oh, maybe just cut the whole bench and then maybe minutes? each okay, and, then, and then maybe just like pick I don't know one or two players that maybe is worth spotlighting. All right. So the Toronto Raptors bench players. Last year obviously they used the bench less than pretty much anyone. The bench scored less than anyone. They're still in the bottom 10, but they're a little like slightly slightly better in terms of the counting stats and the amount they're being used. They are as a collective shooting 40.4% from the floor and 32.8% on threes. Mm. That is just not enough. And I know some of these guys aren't play finishers. Some of these guys aren't three-point shooters. But you've got a couple bigs or a couple forwards who are supposed to run in transition and get you easy buckets that way. You've got Malachi Flynn who, if he's not knocking down a three, you know, there's not there's not enough utility there if the threes aren't dropping. You can't have an entire bench shooting 40 slash 32 slash 71. It's just, it's not doable unless that those bench groups are, you know, bench mob level good defensively, and they're not. So I don't know what that is for a grade. Like D minus, like yeah. I, I don't know how much to ding the bench right. versus the roster construction or whatever. You know, auto has been effective, but hasn't been used a lot because we're trying to do this, you know, develop, but also win now thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I will say of those guys, Boucher is probably the guy that I, I've, thought has done the most with the minutes that he's been given, even though those are a little up and down, mm-hmm. um, you know, precious on the frustrating side, Jalen McDaniel, certainly on the frustrating side relative to what we'd seen from him in Philadelphia and Charlotte prior, um, you know, Malachi has basically lost all the little tiny bit of shine that he had as he was on the upswing there. He's back to, you know, playing like the guy we, we kind of expect. He didn't have that bad a game last game, but no, you know, it was fine. He just didn't play. Yeah, I mean, he's a third point guard, not a second point guard, is, is I think what we can conclude here after three and a quarter years. Um, and Gary started really poorly and has been, you know, a really effective offensive piece who helps a lot of lineups lately. So, you know, kind of a tale of two seasons there. I, I guess D minus for the bench overall, but I'm not hanging too much of this on any individual, um, you know, other than maybe Precious because he's got a lot on the line and they needed him to be, to be better than this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, a lot of the bench issues are more roster construction than pointing at any of these guys and being like, you should have been better than this. Yeah. I mean, I think if you took the aggregate, essentially you're saying the starters have been a B 
and the bench has been a D, a heavy D. Uh, so Which when gets you us took to overall, a overall, you gets you to a <laughs> port where you're like that's, under 500. That's yeah. a rapper. Yeah. yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, tough. do you guys feel like any of those people individually deserve like, hey, if the bench is a D, we want to put this person in another group because they've been significantly better or worse than that? Or does everyone nope. kind of There's feel? There's no real standouts here. Yeah. That's one of the nope. issues. Like, yeah. I mean, I would say Chris has been the best bench player, but he's also played very inconsistently. Yeah. He's been, like, out the rotation a couple times, and then when he comes in, you're like, oh, look, it's Chris. Yeah. Uh, so I do feel a little bit more positive about that. I feel like Malachi's had some moments. He's also got the chain. Those are the two guys who have gotten the chain. Actually, the chain's a decent way of tracking who. You got to win games to get the chain, though. Yeah. Like, there's no anti-chain when they lose. You're right. You're right. So Actually, they maybe, they, maybe a, there, a it's time for some negative reinforcement. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Might yeah. be time. I don't know. Yeah. Grady obviously hasn't, you know, delivered instant impact. Yeah, he had another Jaylen. rough one for the 905 yesterday. Yeah, Grady's down to 30% shooting in the G League, I think, now. Yeah. Which so, is, I mean, which look, that team only had five players and three emergency call-ups, but uh, still, you'd hope he could help carry some of those lineups. Look, I, look, I think there's, a, there's a space between people feeling nervous and uncomfortable with these results and also being able to hold in your mind that he's okay long-term. Yeah. yeah um, it's so early in his career. Okay, but I'm just saying, like... I know. Worst case scenario is, like, a Markel Fultz. It's like, what happened to his shot? No, I mean, the shot looks exactly the same, as you as, as, as he has told both me and Blake now. Oh, right. His mom made it when he was three, and he's kept it that way. So, yeah. uh Anything on the 905? I guess I guess that was kind of 905 reports. Well, yeah, yeah look, the 905, is, the 905 is an incomplete grade. Like, they literally had three hardship exceptions They're gonna have to, have to play their minutes yesterday. They got the Uber crew. Well, this is the thing is, like, the, the mm. schedule or the standings do reset after 16 games, after the G League showcase is done. So December 27th is the start of the second half of the season. If they get these guys back by then, they might have, like, an okay second half. But right now they have, like, they had to tweet the injury update before yesterday's game out in a two-part tweet. That's how many guys are hurt. Um, so I don't know how to evaluate. And now Ron Harper's been uh, let go because he's done for the season. So we'll see. There will be a subsequent move there at some yeah. point. Um, you know, internally, you'd say maybe Moji is the guy who deserves the bump to a two-way. But what happens then is you don't gain a player for the 905 if you do that. So they right. might want to sign someone from outside the org uh, to kind of help the depth there. They could use a point guard down there since Marquis Noel's missed so back. much time. Your boy, JDJ. <laughs> Yeah, it's hey. incomplete, and it's like a triple F for whichever person on that staff got cursed triple before the F. season. What kind of WWE wrestler is that yeah. one? Um, let's do Hornets um, Raps preview now, because I just don't want to end this great show with Hornets Raps at the very end. All right, well, Time now for Between the Lines. There you go. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. Take a chance. Blake, who are the Raps playing tonight? Yeah, the Raptors are playing what's left of the Charlotte Hornets. They are five-point favorites on the road. Over-under set at 223.5. The Hornets will be without LaMelo Ball. Mark Williams is questionable. Uh -oh. He's been a really nice piece for them. Uh, Cody Martin and Frankie Smokes are out. Nick Smith Jr. is uh, doubtful. So they're they're thinned out. Um, without LaMelo, they're 6-13 and 13 overall, which isn't quite bottom of the league bad. They've gone 1-3 and three in these four games without LaMelo. And on the season, they have a net rating of about minus 8 when he's not on the floor. Um, the biggest thing is, if you're looking at the Raptors, when LaMelo has not been on the floor, this team just cannot get to the rim. Mm. They don't really have strengths across the board. They're an okay three-point shooting team and an they okay... They don't strengths across the they board. They don't, man. If we're conditionally Ooh. formatting this stuff, there's no green on yeah. the page. Yeah. Um, they're an okay three-point shooting team, an okay offensive rebounding team, but they just can't get into the paint without LaMelo. He's the only guy who can really do that. And if Terry Rozier does it, it's to create his own shot, not really to be uh, a distributor 
on the other side of things, they have the third worst kind of opponent shot mix in terms of like, can you get shots at the rim? Can you get threes? So this is uh, not a good defense in execution or process. So you're saying they're bad on offense and they're bad on defense. So yeah, look, listen, the Raptors need to, I'm, they, I'm not saying they, they definitely need to win this game um, for pretty much everyone's sanity. Because I think that, especially in the bigger scope of things, like, you know, the the Leafs are obviously the Leafs. They're they're a pretty good team. I checked the standings recently. They're they're fourth in what the the East? Do they do East West? Yeah, they do East West, right? Whatever. I don't follow hockey, but whatever. They're a decent team. They got the recognizable stars, uh, and obviously they sell the building on every night. If the Blue Jays get Shohei Otani, when they get Shohei, when Otani. they get Shohei Otani, the Raptors are not just a distant third, but like to the point where it's like, you know what? I'm good. Like I, I'm. There's other NBA games on. I might see that. So. If you can't even beat the Charlotte Hornets, you know how many people are going to tap out? Beat the Hornets tonight. Buddy, four of their next five games are against the Hornets and the Hawks. Beat all those teams. Pizza like, party. <laughs> Pizza go. party next Thursday. No, I'm serious. Like, they need to win these games for people to still want to watch the season. And we're only 21 games in. But if you are going to sh- serve up a loss to the Charlotte Hornets tonight, a lot of people will be turning off the television. For sure, man. I think so, a lot of people are already. For our sanity, I'm going to pick the Raptors. And I'm going to hope that they take care of business against the Hornets. Very confident. Yeah, Yeah, I'm going to hope that you're correct. I got to do pregame and I'm writing off this game tonight as well. So, uh, Mm. yeah, let's hope it's uh, a little bit better than the last couple. Look, uh, the Raptors, if you are 9-12, and you absolutely can't take any team, no matter how injured, lightly. But this Hornets team is, in my estimation, without LaMelo Ball, Mm -hmm. and especially if Mark Williams is also out because he's their, like, primary rebounder, they are as bad as Washington, Detroit, and San Antonio. And you've got to have wins against those teams if you think you're even a play-in level team. Yeah, must win. Yeah, one more bonus between the lines is uh, Lakers minus four tomorrow in the in-season tournament championship against the Pacers. Can't analyze that one until I see if Scott Foster is officiating again or not. This guy, this guy really just instantly became a Laker fan. All right. Lock in the Lakers at minus four. That was between the lines brought to you by Bet Rivers. Take a chance. Okay, we're going to take our last break here. I've been your host, Willow. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Swim Lou. Continue to be joined by my co-hosts, Blake Murphy and Alex Wong. And as we do every Friday, we want to show love to all the people behind the scenes who make this possible. We have The Raptor Show Chain of the Week. And all week we've been talking about how much JR has been putting into the show. And Not we- enough this week. No, it's the real JR, Jennifer Rolnick who uh, helps us behind the scenes. I'm so embarrassed to ask you this, actually, Jennifer. What's what's your official title? Like, what should we be, like, calling you? Are you, like, a technical... You're not the technical producer. That's Derek, right? You can call me the director. You can director? say helping out behind the scenes with the YouTube, whatever you want. Yeah, no, I just want to say it in a, in, a, in a nice way. So Jennifer's been with us since the, um, you know, first season of the show here, and we want to we wanna show love... To, to Jennifer, she's always been so helpful to us behind the scenes. And because she decided, did you go to Ireland? Were you just, just in Ireland? 
we we had to give it to a Jennifer's replacement first, Frank Peraska, last week. <laughs> so we apologize for that. Oh, is there hair? Uh, probably, actually. <laughs> and then we rectify. So we've rectified the situation um, this week. Yeah. Yeah. So Jennifer, we appreciate you. We just how, want how you to know. It, that. How does Thanks, it feel guys. to wear uh, this this obnoxious chain on air? Oh, it's it's so heavy. <laughs> it is quite heavy for plastic, but yeah. <laughs> a lot of change. Should we ask the same questions we asked Frank last week? Yeah. Jennifer, uh, do you like basketball? Yeah. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love sports. This is a Javon. It's my favorite. Is, is this a Javon Freeman Liberty interview right now? <laughs> you have goals in life. Oh, no. Did you ask Frank that? We did not ask Frank we that. We asked if he's Frank? always had the same hairstyle. Yeah, um, have you always had the hair, same hairstyle? Yeah. Me? Yeah. No. Okay. Okay. We've also we also asked if you had many you have any memories from the Raptors championship season. Oh. Personal? Yeah. I wish you prepped me for this. <laughs> oh, don't worry. There's there's never prep on the show. Worry. And even if there is, I would just ignore the rundown. Yeah, don't <laughs> worry. So I have to about read it. David Sis's name because I yeah. sometimes forget. And an uh, honorable mention again to to J.R. Manitad. And uh Shosa Josiah as well, but this week's chain winner goes to Jennifer. Jennifer, we appreciate you. We appreciate you, Jennifer. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jay Roll. As we tell everyone, please, please go back to work now. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah, All right. Excuse? This is great. You, you're excused. Keep the chain. Keep the chain. We'll come find it. Thanks, Jennifer. Afterwards. So in the spirit of handing out stuff. Yes. Uh, you big head over there. Okay. Um, <laughs> that was bullying. Um, well, yeah, we have a surprise for you. Well, not me. Actually, Blake's going to have to take the lead on this. Yeah, so um, it is December 8th, so obviously I'm thinking ahead to Christmas stuff already. So this is going to be your Christmas gift, Will. It's just going to be oh. super early, right. um, but it's a, it's a perishable item, and we have it now, um, so I may as well. So hang on one sec. Yeah, Blake is just grabbing the goods. I genuinely have no idea what this is. So... Oh, the podcast so listeners. I was trying to get you. Obviously, you have your French press on. The, can you come over here and get this? Yeah, sure. Uh, okay. y- you have your French press on the show every day that you make mid-show, uh, and we'd been taking turns bringing beans in. And I reached out to our friend Jacob at Propeller Coffee, and not only did he help us out, you'll see that there is a custom label there and a custom description. These are customized Big Head Coffee beans. Uh, when you get back to your seat, we'll, we'll have you show it up, but you can. S- if you can single camera that, no you can see it's Big Head Coffee. It's That's got a amazing. silhouette of Will with the glasses he looks like an, and he looks like uh, an the onion. top knot. And uh, the whole description is customized for you yeah. as well. This has tasting notes of overreaction, first star, and foul trouble. Okay. Uh, the whole description there is uh, uh, no, suited this, to you as uh, well. This is incredible. So this will be $20 a, a cup, obviously. Big shots to Jacob. Big shots to Profile Coffee. Uh, it's closest to the nearest subway station that I use. So, shouts to Lansdowne Station as well, I suppose. Uh, actually, top, bottom five subway stations in all of Toronto, <laughs> I have to say. Mm. But uh, big shouts to Propeller Coffee. It's a great location. I'm, I literally go there all the time, probably just to pick up from Jacob. But this is sick. Yeah, this they also, I, I was like, I thought I was going to get like a bag or something like that. No, and they sent, they sent a whole bunch. Like, this yeah. is our coffee for the season, for oh, sure. Wow. Oh, yeah. man. Uh, so thank you to Jacob and, and Merry Early Christmas. Uh, yeah. Will, there are some thank stickers you. here as well if you want them for your laptop this is or awesome, whatever. Yeah. On, um, the, on the note here, it says, this all-star roast is an NBA seasonal blend using only the most game-ready beans, a balance between intelligent and passionate roasting with a robust flavor 
attack that uh, bus flavor attack I don't, is that grammatically correct uh that will space out your taste buds which is obviously unfamiliar to me as a raptor fan uh though you'll never call for a switch this is awesome no this, this is, is this incredible, is what a great shout to jacob shout to you guys too for keeping this a secret so. um it wasn't that hard alex i didn't want you to feel left out so um oh, here's wow. something for you as well it's not wrapped uh but this is a super exclusive oh yeah pan, oh, yeah. pan to me there are Everyone. only a few of these in existence. Oh. What that is, is that is a toque from one of the all-star pushes the Raptors made for Kyle and DeMar one year. Um, so sometimes teams will send out packages to media ahead of voting at the end of the year or some stuff just to kind of push their guys as all-stars, even though the media vote for all-star doesn't really count for much. It's mostly just for fun. Yeah. Um, so that Kyle Lowry toque is one of only a couple in existence. Oh. I have a, a plain black baseball cap with DeMar's little cartoon Yo, head on sick. it. I appreciate it. Appreciate you, brother. Um, hope you guys enjoy these $50 Uniqlo gift cards that are coming your way for Christmas. <laughs> They're not going to be that thoughtful. Yeah, that's, that's, so, that's so nice considering I gave you two $100 Uniqlo gift cards for your birthday. Plus, you ordered pasta for me today. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's been a long day producing. Uh, anyways, yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's so nice. That's, that's amazing, actually really man. nice. You know, I, I have been making coffee on air in the hopes that someone will send me coffee. And you did Jacob it, man. Literally, what else has you always been doing? That. What so else do you want? No, show us, show us it's, the actually, it's a great venue. It really is a great venue. I still have never it, checked out book. Propeller. I think Jacob and I messaged we'll, sometimes. We'll go, we'll go. We'll go on Instagram too. So I know he's a huge supporter of the show. So no, I truly appreciate it, man. Yeah. It's great. This is wonderful. Um, that's why I wanted to do between the lines earlier because I was like, <laughs> we need to end on some good stuff. We are ending on good vibes. I, I think the yeah. important thing. And a goal for us collectively as we do an impromptu show meeting here is that yeah. even if the even when the Raptors are mid, the Raptors show will never be mid. No, we're 72 and 10. We need to 10. be recession-proof. If the Raptors rebuild, people still listen. Yeah, we're doing we a 72 it. and 10 show on a 42 and 40 team. Oh, that's too high. Yeah. 36 and 46. You know how Stricker Bells was like, you guys give me too many 40-degree days? Give me we, too we many 40-win seasons? That's what we tell in the front <laughs> office. Bobby and Masai, you giving us too many 40-win seasons. Feels like a 40-degree day sometimes in here. Um, <laughs> right now, including. If needed on the rundown, preseason over-under check-ins. Speaking of, so the Raptors over-under was 36. Yeah. And I know we were all in that 40 to 44 range. Yeah, I think I was the low man at 40. Yeah. If you could do a, do you want a mulligan? Do you guys want a mulligan to pick the under now? They're on pace for 35, but they have played like the most, like this is the first quarter of the season will probably end up as its most difficult when you look at quality of competition. They're like sixth in the league mm -hmm. in quality of competition so far. So it does get a little easier. This could look a little different. Like I said, you play four of your next five against Atlanta and Charlotte. You've got a little bit of space here to make up a couple of these games. Currently on a 35-win pace. Yeah. I'm not going to steer off a of 40 just because I think they could be a little better than this. The big question is going to be, and this is why the Vegas line was so low mm. initially, is trades. if they're on track for 35 to 40 wins, yeah. you, you got it make a move at <laughs> the deadline, which is exactly two months from today. Do you, though, Masai says? Um, Here's the thing with yeah. this. I don't want to change. I, want, I, I don't want to get a mulligan on this because... I don't want to change what the expectation should be with this roster. If they keep it intact, absolutely mm. this roster has more talent than a 36-and-a-half win rate. And so if they perform at that level, they are underperforming. Like, I'm not changing the the the, the test so that my, my kid can pass. You know, like, if you're failing, you're failing, you know? So, yeah. So why don't we do this? I'm going to read you guys um, our, our three locks 
from from the east oh, before the season and oh, let's God. and let's each take a mully oh. um so you you don't want will you don't want a mully on 36 and a half raptors over which mm-hmm. you picked mm-hmm. pacers 38 and a half over is looking pretty good i want to say happy with that one and then you have the Celtics at 54 and a half under. You don't have to use a mulligan. You can just keep them I all. I think I'm going to save it for the West because I'm going to need it for the West. Okay. Okay. You're good in the East. I'm good in the East, actually. <laughs> Blake has Philly 47 and a half over. That was great. That was Very good. Uh, Miami, yeah, they're on pace for 53. Yeah. Miami 45 and a half under. That one's going to be a little tighter. Yeah. And they're Orlando. For 47 right now. Okay. And Orlando 36 and a half over, Ooh. which is looking. They're Incredible. almost there already. Oh He's also so, good in the East. Are you good yeah. in the East? You don't need a yeah, mully. I'm, I'm saving the Heat one's close, but I'm gonna I'm gonna save it mostly because I forget what my Western. Yeah, yeah, no, I got were. you guys. It's it's in the rundown somewhere. But like um, I got I had Cleveland 15 and a half over. Uh, I'll be using a mully on that. <laughs> oh, um, that's tough. Chicago 37 and a half under, looking good. That's looking good. Brooklyn 37 and a half under. I feel pretty good about that one as really? well. Really? Yeah. Brooklyn's above 500. I'm good. I'm good in the East. You're good in the East, except for Cleveland. Except for Cleveland, the lights on are too to, bright. For on to the um, oh. on to the West. Let's just disqualify your uh, Memphis 46 and a half over. Yeah. In better news, John ja Moran is, I believe, five games away from being five games away. No, actually, five. The only games thing I would say in defense of the Memphis thing is that Stephen Addis's whole body broke right before the start of the season. No, you know, and then half the roster. Yes, on the but you know what like happened? They're the Raptors 905 of yeah, the NBA. They Their best player was suspended for however many games. I mean, that's one big factor, but it's huge. a lot of injuries, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, Golden State 48 and a half over. That's uh, that's another one that's no, looking I'm, tough. I'm holding steady on that. I don't, You're holding I'm, I'm holding steady. For Soju Otani. Okay. I'm just doing that for, 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 for my boy. This one's looking tough, too. Houston 31 and a half under. There's still time. They're cooling off a little bit. Do you want a mully? You don't want I a mully? I probably do want a mully on that. Okay. But I, I just I, like saying mully. Sorry. This is, this is what happens. You're going to get. You're gonna hear the word mully a lot when <laughs> Kipper and Bourne enter the studio. In uh, Blake Murphy has 51 and a half. Phoenix under. I think that's looking decent. They're on pace for 47. I like that. So this is yeah. about what I thought. I just didn't trust the health over 82. Yeah. I still very much believe in them overall. Yeah. Utah 35 and a half under is looking good. Yeah, they're 7 and 14. Looking really good. Sacramento 44 and a half under. We'll see. We'll yeah, see. Yeah, I think I'm going to stick with it. They're on okay. pace for 47, but they have a really, like, they have a negative point differential so far. Yeah. Even though they're a couple games over 500. I'm going to stick with all mine. Okay. No, the Heat would be the closest one, yeah. but I, I don't want to use it. He's I don't want to use Blake's, it yet. But he's good in the league, man. Yo, he's good in the, <laughs> He's yo. good in the East. He's good in the West. That's good for you, honestly. Uh, Alex has uh, Denver 52 and a half over. Eh, I still believe in I think the Nuggets will make a run at some like point. Roughly on that same pace. They'll make a run at some point. Um, Dallas... 44 and a half under. How do you feel about that one, guys? 44 and a half under I on the Mavs. I think they're going to go over that. I think, I think they're, they're going to be right around there. Um, Yeah, yeah pro- most likely, just because it, it will balance out to a certain degree. But yeah. they've been pretty functional, which I think we were baking a, a level of dysfunction into that prediction. Yeah, and I got OKC 44 and a half over. I feel okay about that one. Yeah, 13 and 7. That's I a feel, nice start I feel okay. That. I feel okay. Okay. Cool, guys. So you two know ball, and I did not know the Western Conference. It's all good. Yeah, don't gamble. Wait, so um, none of us used the mulligan, or did Will end no, up No, I using... totally used the mulligan. Okay. On, on the I Grizzlies. used the mully on, uh, on Cleveland. Okay. And you, I'm you used it on Memphis. On the Grizzlies. And Blake is good in the league. He is good in the league, man. Yeah. He's yeah. good in two leagues. What's going this... on with Shohei? Nothing, but uh, a small <laughs> scheduling change for today, yelling. though. Uh, if you're looking around and you're looking for more Shohei updates. So Kipper and Bourne will still follow us, uh, but only for an hour. And then Blair uh. and Barker are going to tag in. We don't know that the decision will come today, but we really will be ready 
in the event uh, that it is. Should have just had a TV special. Yeah, honestly, you know what? That's what LeBron really helped us with. It was, it was real clarity on, uh, you know, how When much... we would get the news. Yeah. The decision in Japanese, if I'm not pronouncing this wrong, is kete. So it's kete. It doesn't sound as good as a, like a headline television <laughs> special name. Yeah? All right. Say oh. Kikuchi, man. Kikuchi. Why? Why is this so funny? It just I say sounds Kikuchi. so cute when you say it. It, so, it does sound like a Pokemon. but No, you know it what? sounds really cute. Yeah. We are going to always remember you say. <laughs> we will always remember you say <laughs> if uh, he doesn't. Hey, guys, I really enjoyed the banter. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna wrap here. Been your host, Willow. You've been listening to the Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. <laughs> Thanks once again to Utah Watanabe, producer and co-host Alex Swan, Blake Murphy, for producer Derek Brendale, Jennifer Rolnick, big thanks for all your work this week. David Sis, JR Manitad for helping behind the scenes. We'll be back next week.